Welcome to the Overland Journal Podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Scott. And Matt, we're going to have some fun. Overland Life. We're here with Brett and Liz, best people in the world. We're super excited to have them on. We're going to talk about their Overland Life, not our Overland Life, but your Overland not Life. Not ours. Not. So man, where did we start? So how, how long ago... Did you guys really start living this this fairly adventurous, very adventurous life? February of 2019 is when we hit the road. It was full-time, but yeah. before that, we were out adventuring and exploring for, what, three, four years before that? Yeah. And w- what area of the country were you living in? We, we were based in uh, Gilbert and Mesa, so based out of the Phoenix area. Oh, okay. So easy to, easy to branch off for a weekend and then come back and get back to work. And how long had you guys been living in that part of the country? 2013. Okay. And we were out in California before that. And, and what's your, what's your backgrounds? The two of you what, what were you doing professionally and where did you grow up? She grew up in San Diego. Nice. I was an air force brat. So I okay. grew up all over the world. Like I was in Europe, all the Berlin wall was still up and you know, just traveled all about for that. And then cool. ended up, uh, my dad retired in Tucson. It was his favorite place that he lived. Was that Davis Mothin down mm-hmm. there? Davis yeah. Mothin, yeah. Retired there. And then, uh, I moved to Phoenix for a bit. End of 2006, went back to school in Santa Barbara for photography. Um, and Liz, that's where I met Liz. That's where we met. Yeah. And you were, what were you in Santa Barbara studying? Uh, same. So we met at Brooks Institute. We were both studying photography. We met our second year, uh-huh. I think. Second so. out of three. It's a three year, was a three year intense, six semesters a year, year round school. You had seven weeks of class, one week off, and then you started your next semester. Wow. So it was, it was intense. Perfect. Awesome. Well, photography was your goal. And what did you guys want to do? What was the goal with when you got out of photography? Did you want to go into film or did you want to go into into being still photographers or what was the goal? That's still photography. I wanted to do automotive, fashion, editorial, people and cars, basically. I was really more into still life and food photography. Oh, wow. That's cool. The still life photographer is it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's an art like, form. It is an, not an art form. It exercise in psychology and yeah. communication and all of that. I mean, for me, it's challenging doing that when I try, because I'm, I'm a larger person. So I used to have like bigger lenses. And so I always try to minimize my kit now. So it's not like the giant Canon white with like the giant human. Big, like, big 300 millimeter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so tough to you know, and of course you always want to get permission from the locals before you take their photo, but yeah, you very actually cool. have some really good portraits of things. I do have a few. I take great photos of my buddies. Yeah. Like I t- I've taken good shots of you and Sinway mm-hmm. and people that are in my life. I do tend to take okay portraits of. So let's go to 2019 and let's talk about the lead up to getting on the road. So we had uh, decided initially we were going to renovate a vintage Airstream. We had a lot of family members and friends who you know, someday when I retire, I want to travel someday, you know, when I get there, like when we're done, we're going to get this trailer. We're going to see the U S and we're going to Canada and Mexico and see the world. Yeah. And then so many relatives or people in our lives, they'd get to that point and health would get in the way or something would just happen. And they were no longer able to do that. And they just spent their whole life working to that goal. And so we're, we decided that, you know, we're young enough. We want to do that now. Yeah. And, you know, maybe when we're old, we'll, get a job, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever yeah. we have to do at that point. Old, no, that makes a lot, later. that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Totally be old later. So we, uh, we had been kind of following some of the Airstream accounts and, and seeing people renovate the older Airstreams. And we started shopping around. We found a 76 international overlander, a 27 footer. It was within the price range we wanted to spend. And we started renovating that to travel with. 
Yeah. And that was our goal. We're going to go, we're going to hit the road. We're going to at least go for a year. So we need to, our plan was we need to get out of debt. We need to renovate this Airstream and then we'll go travel for a year. And at the end of that year, we'll figure out what's next. Yeah. And let's talk about that kind of that financial process of being able to get all the ducks in a row to do this. Cause I think that that's I think a really cool story that we were, we were talking about earlier that I'm sure a lot of people are, are interested in. I mean, like how, how are you able to do it? Uh, the, the big thing was picked up a job that I knew would pay well, that I was going to hate. And we set a five-year limit. <laughs> so it was a commission-based type thing. And we're like, okay, we can make X amount of dollars over this period of time. We can pay off our student loan debt, all the rest of our debt, our vehicles, what have you, still build the Airstream out, which we were yeah. able to do ourselves. It's not like we were hiring shops to do that. But then we had to make a lot of personal sacrifices too, you know. We were still, well, we also had a photography business. So we were still running our photography business full-time. Um, we did portraiture and yeah. weddings and stuff. That and your job. I think allowed us the financial side to pay off the debt and stuff. But then we also, we kind of like stopped eating out and stopped going to the movies and kind of like sat down and assessed all of our expenses and what, like yeah. what mattered. It really sounds like you guys were deliberate with, with how you were doing it, how you were spending the money. Yeah. Got rid of our cable and just had Netflix and, you yeah. know, if that. So. Got rid of all the subscription services. We're like, okay, we have Amazon. We already pay for mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. We have Prime TV shows. We have music. And canceled everything else, Netflix, all of it had to go. We also and you really needed Prime because you were ordering all this stuff for right. the trailer. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Was there anything that surprised you that you you had, you had you were spending a lot more money on than you thought? Brett's coffee in the morning. Oh, oh Laura just added that up. Yeah. It's a car, it ends up almost being a car payment. So we found yeah. out that if I bought a Breville dual boiler espresso machine and my own grinder, we did the math on it and with what I was spending on coffee, in about a year and a half, it zeroed out Yeah, to equal out a year and a half of buying coffee out if sure. I have my own espresso machine to make it at home. Yeah, sure. And so then from then on, I was just buying beans. That's we still it. have that espresso machine. We still have it. Like we, that, Is it in the Airstream? Yeah. It was non-negotiable. <laughs> it got its own strap-down system. And I do. I use the Nespresso's <laughs> in all of the campers yeah, because they're, they're just so good. So good. But yeah, coffee. Coffee was a big, big expense. It is crazy how much that stuff adds up. You just five bucks here, seven bucks there. I mean, twice a day. Random subscriptions and stuff too, where it's like, like we had Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and then it's like random photo subscriptions and editing subscriptions and backup subscriptions. And and, and then you just you don't you know what I think the strategy with this is that they want it to be just enough that you can kind of forget about it, and it just. It just, it just keeps ching, going. Ching, yeah, ching, ching, ching every year. 30 days for free. And then, you know, it's like only $29 a year after that. No big deal. Or the five ninety nine yeah. or nine ninety nine a month. Nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not bad. And then and you're like, you wait, see but it I on your bank statement. You're like, oh, I should cancel that. I mean, obviously 2019 was when you guys went, went full time. We've known each other longer than that. So, I mean, you've been doing this, you know, for a while. You're kind of talking how, you know, one of the things that you did to, to get on the road is that you, you know, you stopped going out on the weekends and you just started going camping because it was that much tank of gas so we yeah, tank we, of gas. we'd have we had, we had had a sports car and a couple other cars we got rid of ended up buying some jeeps and just on the weekends we would go out we we realized that if we stayed in town it was going to be going out to coffee in the morning or breakfast somewhere on saturday someone wanted to go out to dinner saturday night you know if we were on sunday everybody wanted to go to a brunch or something so staying in town ended up being more expensive than just buying some groceries that we were going to get anyway putting some gas in the tank and go and exploring Arizona or Sedona or up to, if it was hot in the summer, we'd go up to the rim or you know, sure. get out of the heat. And, and that's just the great thing with Arizona. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of beautiful places in the world, but I think there's few that are so accessible. It's year like round. Arizona. Yeah. It's yeah. two hours year round. 
Then yeah. in the winter, explore down the desert. In the summer, get up to the rim and then just take off in any direction on the rim. Yeah. And it's pine trees and cool temps and great nights. So it's, it's an amazing state for that. Yeah, yeah, it's we definitely... were really lucky for that, have, being so close to so much stuff. Yeah. And it was a good unwind insanity. You know, I mean, we're full-time working a job, full-time working, running a business, a photography business, and then even shooting on weekends sometimes. Yeah. So one or two weekends a month, we know we'll just get out, get in the trees, fresh air. It was kind of that little, little taste of what we were working towards. Doing. So, so for people that are, you know, kind of trying to, to, to do something like this and getting their ducks in a row financially and, and getting their lives in a row, what's some advice that you'd give them? I think focusing on the debt was probably the hardest thing at first. The student loans that I had were, were quite sizable. I mean, they were over hundred grand student loan debt, but there were a lot of separate private loans and, and uh, what's that guy that does all the get out of debt stuff? Yeah. The big Ramsey. coach guy, Ramsey. Ramsey. He's like, go after your highest interest rate card. And for me, that didn't make any sense. I went for the lowest dollar amount debt that I had and got rid of that payment. Yeah. And then, so then that amount of money could go towards the next one. And, and so it was just chipping away at those smaller dollar amounts and leaving the higher ones for later yeah. so that it freed up that payment as long as you were disciplined with that money, putting it towards the next principal and then saving up so you could just boom, write a check for that, boom, write a check for that. And just really working hard and focusing and knocking those things out, getting rid of individual payments versus getting overwhelmed with the whole mountain of debt that you have. Yeah. And then once it's gone, I it mean, changes your life. It's huge. It yeah. changes your yeah, life. I remember that about my student loans is like, you'd have one student loan that was really like, it seemed like it was multiples the way it would kind of work out for each year. Yeah. And that was honestly what I did as well as I'm like, okay, this one was $1,500 for, you know, books that I had been paying interest on for however long. Right. And then, you know, just knock that out. What was the date again that you guys left? I don't remember the exact, it was February. It was beginning February. of February. So February, 2019. So when we left, we, we had the Tundra that we were looking for a flip pack for. And then we had her Tacoma that I think when we left, just had the bed rails in the tent, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had the little Tapui tent on there. Yeah. So we had that. And the Tundra was always going to be the tow vehicle for the Airstream. But we wanted to have a camper set up on the Tundra. So we had been like, we had a, couple, a friend of the footback. We were looking for one. We found one in February when we left. We found one in California up in Central Coast, bought it, put it on the truck, drove down to her parents' house. I built it out the interior in four days in her parents' driveway, <laughs> went to the American Adventures Desert Rendezvous, and then we were off from there. Cool. And so we just built it out and mostly stayed the same configuration I built in the first four days for the two years we drove it. But we also drove for three months with the Airstream. And after three months of traveling with the Airstream, we're like, okay, we're done with this anchor. We can't camp where we want to camp. Like it's comfortable. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. But it won't get us where we want to go. I, I, it's like so a it went into storage <laughs> with, with friends that buy Airstreams is that they, they really like them. And Cortez obviously yeah. did it. Yeah. Chris Cortez did it for a while. It, it does seem they're a little bit well, it's a big trailer, Any trailer and they're low yeah. and, and everything that comes with that. So, so I want to get in, I want to get into the mind of you that first week that you guys left, was that stressful? Was there jubilation of this new life and excitement? How did you feel? Well, it was kind of cheating the first week because we came back from California, okay. picked up the Airstream, and then our first stop was Sedona. And like all of our friends from Phoenix came up and camped with us for the first <laughs> week. So it didn't really feel real that we were on the road. Oh, so, so cool though. It was a great send off. Yeah. Like they all just came up. We had we had found a spot. It wasn't as busy as it is now. So we found a great spot, view of the Red Rocks. Airstream was there for a full week. And yeah, friends came and visited yeah. and camped and had campfires. And Sedona's just, gotten so busy. Yeah, right now it's it mental. Wasn't when we went up, yeah, it right now really it's nice. mental. We, we 
me and Caleb went camping over there with some friends maybe a month or two ago, and they've they've completely restructured how all of that is done now. It's like you have these kind of group camping areas, which can actually lead to a really cool experience. We ended up camping by like these like college kids from the Midwest that were on like a spiritual journey, and there was like a guy with a crystal bowl sound. It was cool. You know, it was a, it was a cool experience. I'm going to take it for what it was, but Sedona's definitely changing. I know that spot that our, you our showed spot. us. Yeah. No more. What? Yeah. Is that there's no signage anymore? There's, there's, there's no camping signage there. Like they really wow. have locked down a lot of that area. Oh, that's a bummer. But it was getting, I mean, there, it was getting like crazy. Yeah. Like I remember crazy, we would drive crazy. to that, our spot and it was just people on top of people on top of people. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty tough. Lot, so so were things. you guys, I guess I asked the question cause there's always, it, there's two types. There's either people that are like so relieved to leave the old life behind and start, start new or things go wrong and you're getting on the road and it's like, Oh, I forgot this. I forgot this. I forgot this. I forgot this. Things went, I mean, there, I guess it's twofold. Things went wrong and cause it's the real, it's, it's the realization of a goal that you guys had for so long. Right. I mean, it was this whole process of paying down the debt and all this stuff. I mean, that's a transformative kind of experience. Absolutely. My feelings right away were just relief and, Honestly, it was just a full decompression from all the work and the go, 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 go to just kind of sit and be like, I could read a book for the next two hours, or I could just sit here and do nothing for the next few hours if I wanted. Like it was just, I almost didn't know what, what to do with myself, Yeah. but then the solar wasn't working right. And the batteries were kind of weird. And so we had to like pull the battery out of the airstream and run to Flagstaff and like put it on a big charger and swapped out battery, the house batteries. And so like, there's all those systems that we had been doing small trips and checking but as soon as we were out and we're like four days in, now something's going wrong that you didn't foresee in your you know couple of days you were somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, we hadn't installed our solar right. So we ended up nuking the batteries. Yeah. And then it kept happening. And we ended up having to go out of our way to quartzite to some solar build that oh, someone oh, told oh, us about. Oh, yeah. I've heard of this guy that's yeah. like the guru oh, yeah. Of, yeah. of quartzite. But they've got and you can park right on site. They've got power plugins and stuff. And they'll just <laughs> Yeah, we camped in his parking lot like overnight while they're out there trying to fix our stuff. Well, that's cool. There's a bunch of trails over there. Too. There are some great, Kofa. great yeah, trails. Kofa's beautiful, and I know what you're talking about. The rock spot oh, is yeah. really, really, really pretty. Yeah, the Kofa is gorgeous, it's and there's there's really not a lot tires, of those, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's not a lot of campers that get out too deep into the Kofa because it, all the roads are fairly rough. So one question I have is, you you guys have traveled now with so many different kinds of vehicles. So you've got currently you have E350. And you've got a forerunner with a roof tent, it looked like on there. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And then you had an Airstream or still do. And and then you had a Tacoma and you had some Jeeps and you had a Tundra with a flip pack on it. So looking back on all of this time living in these things, what was kind of the sweet spot? Like if, even if it's not what you're using right now, what ended up being the ones or the, or the takeaways that you think the listeners can really learn from? Flip pack. And the Tundra was an outstanding desert setup. It's great for the desert. It's great for warmer. It's great for cold temps. But I mean, wet weather, it's horrible. Um, You know, we did 14 days in Canada, basically straight rain. And we had what we called the coffin setup in the back, which was like our kitchen was on one side. The couch slid out to a bed. And the two of us and three dogs slept back there for like 14 days straight. Yeah, when, you, the, when it was closed. When it was, yeah, you when couldn't the lid put closed, the top. You couldn't really open it. Because you can open the flip pack and get rained on. And you've got a rain fly. But you're sitting there until it dries out. Because if you close it, as soon as you close it, the tent saturates. Everything's wet. You can be in wet weather. You can be in snow. You can be in all of that. But you've got to dry it out or be somewhere where it's going to dry out. 
But that, that vehicle really was the game changer for us. Like that's, we started with the Airstream for three months and we're frustrated because it was like, we'd be camping with all these people and then looking at these trails going like, but I want to camp up there or I want to come camp on that ridge or what's down that road. And it's just, you can't drag the Airstream there. Then we stored it and got in the Tundra with the flip pack. And I followed with the Tacoma and it was the Tundra and the flip pack that like that allowed us to get all the places we wanted. And like that, we couldn't have stayed out, I think without it. It seems like that because living on the road or remote work has enabled so many people to do that, that in my experience, you have to have that next level of capability Mm -hmm. in order to get that remote experience anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, like 525 off of, you know, yeah. outside of Sedona, there is 800 people camped right. out there. I mean, it feels like 800 yeah, people. It's, it, it's a lot. And I, I think anywhere that, you know, don't, don't underestimate the places that you can get a fifth wheel with a dedicated, with a dedicated <laughs> guy. There's places we took the Airstream we shouldn't have, but oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bu- building up rock piles and putting max tracks out and like making ramps to get, so you don't drag the hitch or the tail end. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We definitely had a few of those very long trips to get it where we wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> so Liz, you made the decision to drive your own vehicle, which I think is kind of one of the things that makes you guys as a traveling couple so unique. And I, and I really appreciate because no one likes being a passenger in life. Yeah. Um, what, what was the, I mean, other than just saying, I didn't want to be a passenger, what, how, where, what, why um, talk to me about that? Yeah. A combination of things. So I've always been a driver. I've always loved vehicles. And so when we got Jeeps, we got a Jeep, which was mine to start with. And then Brett was always driving on the weekend. So I ended up sending him an ad for his own Jeep. Jeep so <laughs> pretty, early on, yeah, pretty early on, we ended up with two Jeeps and we were out every weekend wheeling them because I don't like passengering. I like yeah. driving. Um, and we enjoy the experience of both being drivers together. So when it came to this adventure of hitting the road, it was like, I was really struggling with like giving up my vehicle and giving up driving. Yeah. And we kind of came to the conclusion that it, it made sense to have a smaller vehicle to go kind of like search down roads, check out campsites, that kind of thing. But I also like to go on solo goals, girls trips and like yeah. go meet up with the girls. So I wanted to be able to have something that like wherever we're at, I can hop in, go meet my girls two States away or six yeah. hours and go on a trip for a week and then come back. And it, it kind of worked for both of us. Cause then Brett could take it if he wanted to, but it was mostly, mostly I would take the Tacoma and yeah. go off on trips. Well, and you can like, if you just need a moment, you just want to go yeah. drive and go see a museum that is like something totally off the wall that your partner's not interested or whatever you can go. Or, or just Absolutely. to get out of the same box together. Yeah. The same I think it kept our sanity because we do, you know, we're driving, yeah. getting, moving everything like six hours or long periods. And it's like, I can listen to my podcast or my music and Brett can listen to whatever he wants, or he can mm, be, be on, on the phone, phone and catch up, up with people. people like when we're in the same whatever, car yeah. together, it would kind of drive us a little crazy. So I think that extended our travel a lot and our sanity together. I think that's what drove us crazy on our, on our last long trip. Like Laura and I are very capable of being in confined space together. We love each other. There's no problems there or anything, but you know, to a lot of hours. So, sometimes it's just like, okay, you're going to stay here and I'm going to go to this bar. <laughs> and we're not going to see each other for two hours and we're not going to be more than five feet from each other. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's right. I mean, giving you, giving you that time to just do what it is you do in the car by yourself. I mean, everybody kind of travels a little differently and 
you know, you got to think most couples are either one's at home all day doing house stuff and the other one's at work. And so you, they naturally have that time apart. Yeah. But when you're traveling full time, yeah, you're right. You're in a box. Yeah. 24 seven. Well, and I'll say one more thing. It allowed us because we were so used to traveling with groups and always having multiple vehicles when we did. It allowed us to get further out just like when we were solo, we knew we weren't going to be traveling with people all the time and having two vehicles. It's like, all right, well, we have peace of mind that like. You have a safety net. Exactly. One of them breaks down. We got to go run into town. Like we have. You could take more risks. Somebody gets stuck. You can pull them out. Like, so we felt safe being able to like go do. You could get the Airstream down the, down the dirt road. And even, even without it, we'll go, we'd get. You know, there's some snow drifts we're plowing through. Okay, we're good. We still got the two vehicles. If you don't make it through, we'll hook a lineup, drag you back. Or we had winches as well. Once we dropped the Airstream, we just started running trails too. Like we'd be out for a week at a time. Like we'd load the fridges and we would just find some trails and we would go and we'd camp and we wouldn't see anyone. Just the two of us running the vehicles together. And it was awesome. We were were running the BDRs and trucks. It went Tundra, then Airstream, then van. It was Airstream pulled by... Well, we had our first gen Tundra. We initially bought it with. We bought a second gen Tundra while we were remodeling it, and then we found we were getting ready to lift wheels, tires, everything. Found a lower mile, different second gen Tundra that was already lifted wheels, tires, bumpers, winch, everything for way less than it was going to cost us to build with half the miles. Yeah. So then we transferred to that Tundra. That was our main tow vehicle. So we had that with that got the flip pack, the flip pack, and then we had her her Tacoma. And then we dropped the Airstream. We just had the Tundra and the Tacoma. At one point, we even stored the Tacoma. Canada and stuff, we just did in the Tundra. Yeah. yeah. And then two years in the Tundra, we started looking for the van. Yeah. And then we found the van. And then we're going to We weren't sell. really looking for the van. <laughs> we weren't always, initially. It's all, it was always an idea. Yeah, vans had always <laughs> been on our radar, and we'd circle around to them. But uh, another friend was looking for a van, and they had found a couple of vans and showed Brett the one that we ended up with. Did you just get the white one the last time we camped together? Or was that Jillian when she just got hers? I know we got them around the same time. Okay. Yeah. So we, they were looking for more, they wanted a more built, like ready to go van. When we were looking with her husband at the same time, we were looking, sending each other vans. We found, he found the one that I, that I have now, but it was a moto van when I bought it. So it had two back seats. It was white on white on white on white, white roof rack, white steps, white bumpers with like bronze wheels. It was, and it was deep in the heart of Midland, Texas. Hmm. So very poorly advertised, very. So you got a good deal. Very good. So incredibly good. Let's talk about the van. (laughs) Let's go van life for a little bit. I love easy. Is it a diesel? V10. 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 So it's a newer one. Well, the diesels that are available in that era, if you're in an older one, you can probably get a 7.3, but the newer 2012 like ours, 6.0. Yeah. And so, so you got to bulletproof, you gotta bulletproof it, it, it spend a bunch of money for the best. Yeah. When you start penciling it out, you might as well just pay for the V10 yeah. gas. They put them in every U-Haul truck. Half exactly. And they're yeah. so reliable. They're torquey. It's 550 foot pounds of torque. Yeah. I mean, it, it's and what, what kind of gas mileage do you get in that? I mean, Nine to 11 with the trailer. And you're not going to get that much more. It's like 16 out of the diesel. Cause diesel's what? I mean, let's, let's generalize for the purpose of the conversation. It's about 20 to 25% more and yeah. the servicing costs. You know, you're talking $300 oil changes if you're right. getting it done. You know, I mean, it's $150 in oil right now. Right. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really, do they take? doesn't really pencil out that much. It takes six and a half quarts, 6.2 quarts yeah. of oil. And so, and I just run, you know, mobile one synthetic in there. And yeah. And, and they're supposed to be pretty thousand. reliable. I've heard they've been pretty reliable motors. They are. The, 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 the only thing that's an issue is the spark plugs. And what yeah. it is, is people would wait to change the plugs once the engine's cooled. 
And so there's a change in the manifold side and they end up destroying the threads on them and cracking the top off and leaving the rest of the spark plug in the hole. The kind of mechanics trick is they go out and bring the engine up to temperature and then they pull the plugs when the motor's hot. That's like the big, that and the fuel rail pops off if you don't keep it torqued down. That's, that's, <laughs> that's be easy once you easy know Easy stuff. Yeah, once yeah. you know what you're dealing with. And that's not like you're changing plugs all the time. I mean, I, I always, I use the, with that motor, I use the U-Haul. Yeah. You know, comparison to yeah. is like, like it's in their F650. It just can't like, break. Right. Like, like clearly they've done the math. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's just a workhorse of a motor and it gets a job done. So then what did you guys do to that thing? Mostly we did the interior build out. It had a basic electrical setup already. It had, like I said, had the two seats, it had fold down TVs. It had a little cabinet inside. If I no, want. it was, I put the cabinet in. So okay. we basically took the Tundra. And I went and bought the van, brought it back to her parents again, which is like the work yard in, in their in her parents' driveway. And so I uh, brought it there and I dismantled. The in San Diego? In San Diego. Oh, so not a bad place yeah. to be working on a yeah, car in a driveway. In the driveway in the beach. <laughs> of course. You know? but yeah. So I, I just disassembled the Tundra's cabinetry setup. I used uh, these hammer together aluminum one-inch box tubing and hammer together connectors. And I just cut what I needed and re-engineered it for the van and did our temporary setup, took the bench and made it into an actual bed. And again, I think it took us a week to, to get it built how it was configured at that point. And then we just took off in it. Yeah. So yeah. stored stored the Tundra again. And I think that's one of the coolest things about you guys is you're, you you do almost all of the work yourself. As much as I can. Yeah. yeah. And that. Really well, because you got to be able to fix it. That's the problem is like, even if you don't want to do the work on your Overland vehicle, you're better off because you're going to end up having to work on it anyways. Yeah. Right. Like if you're traveling in your vehicle full time and you're remote, you're going to touch every system on that car, whether Absolutely. you like it or not. Absolutely. So you might as well have been the one that ran the wires the first time Absolutely. because it's like, oh, I know where the blue one goes because you're going to remember. 100%. You might as well, might as well work on it yourself if you and can. If, and if you can't figure it out, there's always YouTube you. For sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Or you, you've got a, a friend that can help you with this system and another one that can help you with that system. And, and then you learn a lot as you go along because you're going to end up digging into it no matter what. You know, one of the things I always like, like I'll, you'll randomly get texts from me like, hey, where are you guys at? Because I'm like, I always know that you're out. I always love hanging and camping with you guys. Like you kind of have this theory and, and, you're, and you're like, it's almost like you're the dude from the Big Lebowski in some <laughs> ways of camping. It's like, yeah, it's a little warm. So we're going to head north. Yeah, you if, know? It's, if it's too hot. So talk to me about your like philosophy of travel and where you go, because I think that that's a really a really unique part of you guys. Well, I think the f first part of our trip was we just wanted to see everything we wanted to see, wild camp as much as possible, Western U.S. We're not planners. Let's yeah. just put it that way. So <laughs> yeah. we plan. It's cool that you're like on the same. It seems from the outside yeah. that you're on the same. You know, the the same no plan kind of schedule. Yeah, so it's freeing and liberating, and I'm jealous. Well, so right now, well, good, keep being jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, we're our main thing is if if there's an event or if we booked like a gig, like a photo shoot or something like that, that can kind of dictate the general area where we need to be. But generally, if we're just kind of bumming around an area exploring, the temperature starts to get too hot, gets into the mid 70s. We want to ride our bikes. It's too hot to leave the dogs in the van. We go up to the trees. You know, head to the mountains, cool off, find camp. Or find a couple possibilities, camp, set up base camp, explore that area. It starts to get too cold. Down the mountains we go, back down into the valleys where it's warmer. So same with weather or snow or any of that kind of weather. I mean, weather and temperature really dictate. Your house moves. Yeah, we can, park, we can move, park it wherever we want. Move where the good where the weather's good. There's so much public land in the western U.S. It's, mm -hmm. you know, easy to do. You know, this winter we did three weeks down in Baja for New Year's. You know, met up with some other traveling friends and 
the amount of travelers and community that was down there. We linked up with uh, Dan and Marlene, who we followed on Instagram before we even got when the Airstream. Got, yeah, right before we yeah. got the Airstream because they and had their chatted back and forth about Airstream stuff and stayed in touch. And they've been all over the world in a sprinter and <laughs> happened to be in Baja. They needed something from San Diego. So we picked it up on the way and brought them apart. And then we bummed around with them and the family for a couple of so weeks. Nice. Just sleeping on the beach. Sprinter. Everywhere. And they, they've been on the podcast. They too. have. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. They're, and they're wonderful people. The kids are awesome. Oh, yeah. You know? Totally incredible. And then ran into Graham and Louisa while we were down there and got to spend a night nice. with them on the beach. Nice. It's just, you know, but that kind of went with our flow of like, we don't, we don't plan other than like, we had a plan that we were going to make it all the way south to Cabo. Yeah. But everything in between was gravy. And so having that flexibility to just, oh, where well, we can go, we don't have to be here by any day. Yeah. We just have to be back in like three weeks. Great. So we can haul to one point and then take it easy or, Hey, we're going this way. You, you want to check this out? Cool. Yeah. Let's go check out that beach. Oh, let's go see the sea turtles launch. Great. We'll go do that. Like having that flexibility, not being so rigid is kind of the way we like to travel. Cause it opens up possibilities to go do whatever comes up. I, I think that that's one of the things that I, I appreciate most about you guys is that you're all, you always just seem to be in a good mood and you're always just going with the flow and you're meeting people and you're having those experiences, you know, as travelers. And I just think that that's great. One, it's really fun too. Cause you'll, you stay in touch, you know, social media has been great for that. You, you meet other travelers, you yeah. communicate, you see people, how kind of how people, or at least how they show you how they travel. And maybe you meet up with them for a night for camp and okay, well, we don't travel the same way and they'll, they'll tear off and you'll tear off or you do travel the same way. You guys end up cruising around for a week. Checking out the same things and then, well, we got to go this way. We got to go that way and off you go. So it's just, it really allows that ability to do that, you know, and meet those people. I just want to trade lives with you. (laughs) I think you could do that. You could, Matt, you can go. It's the interesting thing is, is that it's possible. Like we can make the choices in our life to do these things. Yeah. You have to. And it's also okay to not make those choices because everyone's life is supposed to be different, but you guys knew what you wanted and you actually changed your life to be able to do it. Right. That is super impressive. And it's so rare. The number of people that get to the end of their life and they never executed on that dream. So kind of like you said, be, you know, be old later, (laughs) be old later. And, And really it is about timing these points in our life. Where when you're in your 30s, you can do certain things that you couldn't do if you're in your 60s or 70s. And it's the same. You kind of fix the stuff to the decade that's appropriate. And a lot of people think I'm going to travel when I'm in my 70s. And a lot of them can never get there. They, they either never make it to begin with or they don't have the physical strength yeah. and might, energy. Your knees go take out. You in different directions. Out. Yeah. You, know? you get a car accident. That changes everything. I mean, it does. Anything could happen. Like you guys are doing. You're young enough. You're flexible. You're... Your life is such that you can be outdoors, active, doing the things that you want to do at the right time in life. It's just like the balance with you guys has always seemed really good. I don't know. From an outside perspective. Seems like it. Yeah. So now how do you guys make a living from the road? We have a couple of things. I I like to pretty much refer to it as shaking trees. Mm -hmm. Shake a lot of trees. Sure. See what falls out. Obviously, we're photographers by trade, but we backed off of our photography business when we went to travel quite a bit. We kept a few of our bigger clients, and so we'll still fly out or I'll get by an airport and I'll fly out, do a shoot and come back. We'll edit and upload and send that back. Um, So we kept a couple of big clients. We picked up a few in the outdoor space doing some product photography, some stuff for people's websites, things like that. So we added a few while we were traveling. And it's really easy for us to shoot lifestyle stuff while we're out. Yeah, sure. We're out doing the lifestyle. So that kind of picked up from the photography side. We had the Airstream. We were paying to store it. We ended up finding a property a year and a half ago. And so we started basing our summers in Montana. 
So they turned the Airstream into an Airbnb in the summer months. While we're there in the summer months working on some projects kind of based, we started an off-road adventure vehicle rental company through basically using Outdoorsy as the, the catalyst. But we have three vehicles that people fly in and rent and you know the vehicles are all paid off, they're free and clear. So that works out pretty well for the short season there. Picked up working with Onyx Off-Road as their trail guide ambassadors. So we we're out creating data for Onyx Off-Road. And then through that, uh, we picked up a job doing GISS data gathering and mapping for BLM land. So we we're basically a field crew running around off-road and all day recording trails, photographing the landscapes, letting no condition of trail. What a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so you guys like, use the Trimble units then? So we use the Trimble units for that. And then... And then 360 cameras as well now? No, they're, they're, they're still using they little, done that. little old tiny yeah. you know, point and shoots. And we just yeah, at every intersection. There. Every intersection. Yeah. And then we photograph the fencing conditions, gate conditions, cattle guards, signage. You know, basically letting them develop a full digital packet of what they have there so then they can represent that back to BLM and then BLM can manage the property from mm. there. And then also if there's new routes. So there's some of these places they we have historical data we're looking at and some of the routes that they show on their maps, nobody's driven that in years or it's very faint. And so we have to kind of make the decision like, is that still a route or is that growing like the earth? No one's going there. The earth's taken that back. But now over here, there's a brand new route. This is the way everybody goes. So we'll run the new route, photograph the new route. We'll photograph the old route. It's reclaiming, like nobody goes there anymore. And so it's just kind of a decision you got to make while you're on the fly. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting gig for sure. I bet. It's cool because it you get to do what you want to do. Brings in revenue, brings in income. Yep. That's awesome. They rent our vehicles from us. They pay for all our fuel. So oh, wow. I mean, we pay for two or two hotels a week. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of added, oh, cool. We get to do shower and laundry. We'll get an Airbnb. <laughs> and like, yeah. So it's... Thanks, Bill. You know, one of the questions that we do like to ask when we have couples on the podcast is, tell me what you admire about your partner. And then same for you. Like as travelers, what do you admire about each other? She has been and always has, like since I met her, has been up for anything. Like when we first started dating, it was, I'm just going to come pick you up. She's like, should I bring a sweater? I'm like, yeah, bring a, bring a jacket. And like, <laughs> we'd just jump in the car and go wine tasting or we'd go to the beach or we'd go, what up, meet up with some friends or do a barbecue or she didn't even know what we were doing. She was just, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. Whatever. Like always, it was always like, hadn't even really been camping when I met her. I had never been camping. Never been camping. So like. She'd never been camping, never been off-roading when I met her. And so this I version, always wanted to. This just... version developed <laughs> with me. And she's always always like, just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Mexico took a couple of years to talk her into. At but, least 10. Yeah. But now she's, you know, she eventually said yes. And down to Mexico we went. And now she's ready to do a longer trip next year. So did you enjoy Mexico? Yes, I loved it. The first couple of days I was still nervous and stuff. And by, I think, day four or five, I was like, okay, so next year when we come back and then by the end, I'm like, all right, can we spend three months next time? Like, how do we plan to like be here for like the entire winter at some point? It's such a, Baja is such a great place to go in the winter. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And fortunately, just enough people are terrified of it that it isn't completely overrun. Don't go. It's terrible. So, So, and how about the same question for you? I've always admired, I guess the, you're always doing stuff and like the adventurous spirit and just, there's always something like go, 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 go. And what's next. Um, but not like, not in an overwhelming way. (laughs) It's just, you're open to every opportunity in a positive way of like what's coming. Yeah. You were a very positive person. 
being negative takes a lot of energy. I know. You know, I know, I know. <laughs> like even when things are falling apart and we need parts and like you have to do something on the vehicle that you've never done, you're still basically positive about it. Figure it out, get what we need. Like it's yeah. just, can't just sit there on the side of the road. Yeah. Gotta go. It's like yeah. you figure, you just, you're gonna figure it out. You gotta somehow. make a plan. Yeah. So here's my thing. I, I get a lot of people that ask me whether they're, you know, they bought a Sprinter and they're just going out for weekends here or there, or they're planning their first big trip of, you know, a month or more or whatever. Let's talk about how you kind of plan out your routes and more importantly, how you plan where you're, where you're kind of camping and sleeping. Like, I know that that's a very broad subject, but. It's also one of the biggest challenges of being on the It's the largest stressor for most people, in my opinion, because I know, I mean, I know it is for us as you're driving. It's like, okay, cool. Like, well, where am I going to sleep between A and B? We used to run a lot of different maps. So I had Avenza and I would download maps for certain areas. We had, at the time, it was either Gaia or Hema. I was like, oh, Hema is like an international platform. I'll use Hema. And then they stopped US support. So that was kind of a punch. It but, was a bummer. Yeah. yeah. And so we had Hema and then we were using 4x4 fun treks. And then, so we had all the, in, uh, all trails. And so I had this conglomeration of, of different things to try. And I Overlander is not to be discounted either. And so I'd have kind of these conglomeration of things and, one of the things I've liked now is with Onyx has a land ownership part of their mapping software. It's really so helpful. You can click on any part of their map and you know if you're in BLM, you know if you're in National Forest, you know if you're in, there's no question of state land trust. Like you know that you can camp, look for camp in those areas and you're yeah. going to be able to camp in those areas. And so that's kind of the first thing. It's like, okay, we're, we're here, we're trying to get maybe, you know, 200 miles away from where we are currently, like to explore this area more. Well, okay, well, when we get there, there's going to be, you know, we're going to cross over through state land trust right off the highway. There's some, you know, well-established trails on satellite via, you know, via zooming in. And then from there, it's learning how to look at and read topo is huge because you can look at a forest road on topo and be like, okay, that's a steep shelf road. Like you can see the lines, you can see how condensed they are. You can see there's a trail and then you'll see that, you know, Hey, the lines spread out real quick. And then there's a big clearing. Odds are that's probably a good place to camp. Or if it's the end of a road, you know, you'll check on the topo and you'll see, you know, there's a cliff or whatever. There's a clearing and then there's a drop off on the other side of the clearing. That's probably a good view spot. So just kind of looking at those spots, you do get skunked from time to time. But running with the second vehicle, if it's going to be a super narrow trail and I've got the van with the trailer and the dirt bikes, she'll take the little truck, little vehicle, little truck, whatever we got, run down it. And if she's in the range, radio back, hey, it's great. Come on down. There's room to turn the rig around. And then that's camp. We'll hmm. base there and explore. So just knowing land ownership, I think, is probably the very first and foremost thing to determine where it is you're going to camp and spend the night and how you're going to travel. So you can pick your areas, find your places, your free land to camp. And you can also pay for services. Like we're also on Harvest Hosts. So every once in a while, you're in somewhere that's, you know, Texas. It's super dense. It's heavily populated. There's not a yeah. lot of free places to camp. You're going to jump on Harvest Host or Campendium or any of those. And you'll stay at a brewery or a winery. Hey, they got bathrooms. Great. You know, is Harvest Hosts, does it have more availability lately? Because I, I, I hopped on Harvest Hosts during the pandemic. And right. it was like you could not find anything anywhere. Everything was always booked. And that was kind of the reputation. Do you think it's gotten better? Way better. Yeah, we've got, we've, we are so bad with it. Like, we'll just roll in and be like, hey, you guys got another spot. <laughs> and But a lot of times we've rolled in and we're the only ones there. There's one other rig. I think that was started in Prescott. I Har- think so. Harvest Hosts. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. They, they had a, a Mitsubishi Fuso and drove around the world. Nice. And they had a, they had a couple, um, you know, laundromats here in Prescott Valley. And that's what paid like all their expenses while they traveled. They had a, paid a manager and 
cool. like drove around the world in an earth cruiser. And then they came up with that idea. Yeah. So they were, they were both very bright. They were attorneys and they just figured it out. Finally figured that out. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's not, there's no one golden ticket. There's no one app. Yeah. Like depending on where you are, what the density of, of the land is, there's going to be, Ireland is going to work for someplace. Campanium is going to work for someplace. Sometimes, you know, we haven't done it yet, but a lot of people like to stay at Cracker Barrel or Walmart if they have to, you know. Yeah, sure. There's plenty of them allow for overnight camping. But so there's a million ways to do it and figure out how to get where you want to go. It seems like that iOverlander has just now become the way for <clears throat> local authorities to know what to shut down. Could because be. it's it's pretty incredible if you try to use it. You show you show up at an iOverlander camp, you know, indicated camp spot, and it'll always say no camp. Um, not always, a lot of times Frequent. it says, especially in really populated areas like California and stuff. It's almost like they, you know, because it got overloved. You find this one little pull off that takes right. you out to the view over the ocean, and then it gets overloved. People don't clean up their campsites. Yeah, it was trash such a cool everywhere. Concept, but yeah, you know, now I now I almost find it, that people are a little more a little bit more cagey with sharing that campsite information. Uh, I think so. But well, I think also international. Oh, oh, I was going to say with the, um, we'll use it just if we're in an unfamiliar area or, you know, traveling through as kind of just a point to then like, okay, people can camp here. And then yeah. you put that into your Onyx and it's usually like, okay, well, there's other areas around. So yeah, we use that as a jump off point density, and like, okay, like, cool. Correct. There's okay, more national forest. Like, okay. oh, there's more BLM this way. And then use that to then get somewhere further in. Yeah. So that's kind of how we've been using it more than that makes a lot of more sense. More than camping at that spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. With you guys being in the vehicle, you know, and camping for so much, what have you guys found are are good solutions for cooking, hygiene, organizing your gear? Because one of the big one of the biggest challenges is keeping things organized, because that can be a huge source of frustration between partners. So what have you guys found that works well for kind of those concepts? Oh, yeah. When I chop into the van back in Montana in the summer and add more storage. <laughs> We're still figuring that out. Yeah. Um, that, it's tough. Yeah. Storage is huge. I think for because we started traveling with the, the motorcycles, I think that storage, having the two bins on the front of the trailer that have your jacket, your pants, your helmets, your boots, your stinky like moto gear, keeping that out of the living space was is a huge thing. Yeah, all the Rome cases have been helpful. Yeah, because we on used one of those on my little truck to get a bunch of stuff that was just floating around, or recovery gear, or random things. Um, so that was kind of step one was really helpful having the big ones for the motos, and then inside we use a lot of the like step twenty two, like smaller bags and oh, soft yeah, those bags. Oh, really, really little, nice. like, the yeah. little cubes or whatever, the little packing cubes, so you can underwear, socks. Like we can have our own separate little quick pullouts. Mm. For t-shirts, socks, underwear, whatever. And we then do pants and jackets are. I use them for journals, for pens, like kind of everything just needs organization. And does it have a out. little spot to label? It's a little Velcro yeah. label and you write on with a Sharpie. Perfect. And they have extra labels so you can Perfect. get more and put a new Sharpie on it. Because that's the other thing is I like when everything looks like super organized in the same, you know, probably because like I'm a photographer too. Like we all right. have like these visual needs around the way things are organized. But then you can't remember like which of the green soft boxes right <laughs> does this have so well, the, the label's nice well and the other thing we know is too the longer you're out the more stuff starts accumulating so I mean, there has out. to be a, yeah. a remove donate get rid of things of course we end up out over the winter mostly so there's christmas so there's like you gotta figure out what to do with that stuff like oh do i just mail that home or do i actually need that things like that where you're like okay well now i've accumulated 
stuff. It's you crazy how fast you do it a dump accumulates. and yeah. reset, you know, donate things, constantly kind of recalibrate what you're bringing, why you need it, why you have it and go from there. Sure. We don't travel nearly as much as you. I mean, I consider myself very lucky to be able to go two, three months a year, but I, I have this thing where whether you do it in like actuality or in your mind, you put a, a little red dot on all these items. And if that red dot and you take it off when you use it, and if there's items with red dots, take them out. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have a whole list of stuff that's not coming with us next time. Yeah, like and it's, it's going to be left in Montana. You have to constantly keep evaluating what it is you're bringing and why you're bringing it. You know, sure, there's recovery gear, there's things like that that hopefully you don't ever have to use it, but, but you, you want to have it in case. Yeah, you need yeah, it. for sure. You know, but then there's all the rest of the stuff. You're like, why do we have three fire pits with us this year? <laughs> like, nice. I know we've got the gas propane one for if there's a fire ban, so that makes sense. Okay, we've, but we've got. This little one that breaks down small and we can cook on. We've got this other one that like doesn't create much ash that sits up above the ground. Like, why are we carrying like all these different (laughs) We don't need all this. We just need one solution. (laughs) So, well, I think the last thing I'd I'd really like to talk about, you know, you mentioned that you do, you know, trips with your girlfriends and and that kind of stuff. What what kind of advice would you offer to solo women travelers that are looking to get into this community and, and, and starting to travel? It's not as scary as it seems. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I end up doing a bunch of like solo nights and stuff. And I thought that was scary initially, but it's not as scary as I thought. And there's a lot of female groups and campouts and things to join. And it's like, just, just find one and just go out there. We're all in the same boat of like feeling kind of weird about doing this and being, mm. cause there's not as many women in the industry doing this kind of thing. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it, it always feels like, well, where are my people? And like, I'm the odd one out. And we all kind of seem to feel the same way. So it's like, just grab a group. We're all going to be like feeling that same way where it's like, Hey, we're just happy you're here. Yeah. yeah sure. Are so. there any, are there any resources for that Facebook groups or there's, I'd say there's a bunch on Instagram. Um, Jill's got the ladies night campouts that she does. There's been a bunch of spinoffs from that. So I know there's a group kind of that does them in Arizona. That's cool. a spinoff from her group and a couple different ones in California. San Diego has a bunch of women. And where can you find out about her, her campouts just through her Instagram? Yeah. It's a uh, ladies night campout at ladies night campout on Instagram or through her. So she's got those. I love that she does that. It's like building that community of, of people. It's really, really cool. And so important. So definitely need it. Yeah. Super important. And it's, it's been amazing for her her confidence. Like not even just aside from everything else, just her personal growth, her personal confidence. Like I'm more than happy. Like, yeah, take the truck, go hang out with the girls. Like, cause it's huge growth for her and which is great for us. So it's, that's awesome. Well, it's like guys always have guy trips. You have your guys trips. It's just, it's so healing for women to all get together and, you know, go do this and camp and be in nature. Yeah. And we always eat good food. Like we do (laughs) (laughs) tacos and fancy cheese boards and wine and cocktails. Sounds perfect. Brunch sometimes. (laughs) That's what me and Scott do in our boys. (laughs) Of course it is. Exactly what we do. Rose. That's right. (laughs) One of the things that we, we like to ask on the podcast, if, if someone was getting new to overlanding, what would be the couple pieces of advice? Like if you, in a way, were giving advice to yourself in 2015, um, what would you? What would be the pieces of advice that you would give that version of yourself or someone that was new to travel and overlanding that was getting ready to go? Go to Walmart, get a tent, get a sleeping bag, get a cooler. Go and make sure you want to do it. Like go camping. Like even if it's a camp rally, if you've never been, like everything looks great online and all these beautiful vistas and views. Yeah. But the nuts and bolts of it, it, it it's can't, it's fancy camping. It's really good, fancy traveling. Your feet camping. are still going to be dirty at the end of the day. You're, yeah, yeah, you're you're going to have to be dealing with food. You're going to have to cook. You're going to have to like do all this stuff. Make sure you actually want to do it. 
Yeah. Like, get out there, spend some nights in the wild, hear some weird noises in the woods. Like, there's all kinds of aspects of that I, I think maybe get over romanticized. But if you you make it through that part, then slowly start, you know, get your vehicle capable. You know, you can sleep in a tent for a long time before you have to buy a rooftop tent. Sure. You know, and you don't have to you buy a rooftop tent. You can build yeah. a platform yeah. in your clash. <laughs> yeah, you could you can, you know, you've got a little SUV or a RAV4, take some plywood and make a sleeping platform and put an air mattress in there. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to sleep, if you want to be more secure in the vehicle, do that first. Like there's a million ways to do it. You don't have to go crazy, but make sure you love doing it. And if it bites you and takes hold, then ease into it, you know, figure out your plan and go from there. I yeah. think that's really sound advice because there's definitely a lot of people, I, I'm going to say during the pandemic, when a lot of this blew up, they go out, they buy the $200,000 Sprinter, Sprinter or Winnebago Rebel or something. And three weeks later, it's like back on the dealer lot. When you could rent one of those. Yeah. You can go rent, you spend, yeah, rent. spend two grand and rent it. For yeah. If, two it, tents weeks you like if it. a tent's not for you, rent something. Yeah. Try fly, it. Fly up to Montana and rent one of your trucks. Yes, please. Rome can't repeat. Cool. Any other thoughts that you'd have for yeah, you're advice? Just, I mean, it's kind of along the same lines where it's like, you just don't need all the gear right away. Like we went out and bought all like all the gear daunting. we thought we needed. Yeah. And then and it's expensive. like, yeah. Yes. So it's like, we went out and bought the rooftop tent and the awning and the like Yeti cooler and all the recovery gear and the scottle, which we definitely needed the scottle. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> but, nice to cook that. And just like gear on gear on gear. And then was going out and we found ourselves like overloaded and ended up like, slowly leaving more of it at home and paring down. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I would definitely kind of agree with the same thing. Go out and find other people that want to do it. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Like we ended up getting a a real group, good group of friends in Arizona. And it was just, we had friends that had off-road vehicles and we're like, we're going to go camping this weekend. Like, cool. Where are you going? Or we'll just come. I don't, we don't care where you're going. We're just going somewhere. Great. Let's go. And so we ended up developing before we left, just a really nice group of about, I'd say if everybody showed up to something, it'd probably be 10 rigs. And it was, but I mean, most of the time it was, you know, two or three rigs that would join us every weekend. And they were just like, we don't have to think, we don't have to plan. We just have to show up and we'd cook good dinners and go Mm -hmm. explore. And so like finding people, just start doing it and you're going to find like-minded people that want to do it too. Well, I love that there's so many like cars and coffee events and stuff now too. There's like all over the place. Yeah. You can really connect with people. Yeah. I guess I never really thought of it that way that maybe my... We're talking maybe me being a little too negative sometimes. I, I'm just like, oh, you're just building this to go sit in a parking lot. But maybe the the angle that I'd never had considered is, well, that's how you're going to network and meet the communities and and find the people to go yeah. out. And maybe that's actually something that that gets people to go out more. Yeah, they maybe they're just hoping somebody's like, hey, you want to go wherever this weekend? Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. I haven't I haven't used this big huge rig I built. I want to try it. Yeah, so to be a good connector. So how do people find out more about you and your travels? Mostly Instagram, uh, our overland life is where we primarily post Facebook of the same name. We do a little bit of YouTube, but that wasn't really our focus. When we started traveling, we just really started to document our travels for our family and friends and kind of grew a little bit from there. And then she has uh, Liz at Lizzie Cates is her account. And so she does a lot of the girls trips and adventures and stuff on there is a good place to follow along with her. And then if you, yeah, if you want to come to Montana and run our trucks, it's Rome Camp Repeat cool. is our uh, adventure vehicle rental business. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for hosting us. Yeah, thanks for having us. See you guys. Good. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next time.